Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the 30th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about baseball, drinks, and everything else under the sun. I'm DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian, and on today's podcast, we have a summer jam session with Dutch Bells, ask why we watch teams that are baseball challenged, discuss the short-lived European Super League, and we move to a new development in the Milky Way galaxy. So, of course, we'd like to begin this episode as we do with every single one prior by introducing you to the drinks that we are consuming as we record this. So this evening, I am drinking an Assam black tea because I just have like this nagging headache that has kind of just sprung up on me and well, not sprung up. It's it's nagging and been there all day, but uh bothered me and I felt like a nice cup of tea would really do the trick for me this evening. So what's up, Dorian? How are you doing? And what are you drinking on this evening? I'm going to try not to yell to, in respect to your, your head. <laughs> what is, what is Assam? Is what is, what is that? I've never heard of that. Where is that from? Um, Sri Lanka. Ah, formerly known as uh Ceylon. Ceylon. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That was a great name, but I'm sure it was something terrible and racist, and that's why they had to change it. So, yeah, or, <laughs> or not actually, you know, a name that the, the natives, natives right. actually liked. It was just thrusted upon them by their colonial overlords. Yeah. So I'll uh, hello everybody. Hello again to Carlo. I will carry the team across the goal line by having an alcoholic drink. I'm going to have a ginger French saison from a good American local brewery called New District Brewing Company in Arlington, Virginia. And I'm going to have my first sip right now. It's nice and fresh. It's summery. It's per- It's a perfect time for the springtime in on planet Earth. So I want to talk about Arlington, Virginia and the Dutch Bells. What, what are we talking about? Arlington, Virginia is actually right across the Potomac River from Washington, D.C., which is the, the capital of the United States. And long, long, long time ago, it reminds me of that Dave Chappelle bit where when they do, they're doing the Tupac part a long, long time ago. <laughs> Anyways, they were after World War II, the Dutch gifted 50 Carillon. Carillon? Do you know how to pronounce this? I don't even know. The Dutch Clarion. gave Clarion Bells, 50 of them, to the United States. The, they were basically, you're asking, what the hell are Clarions? Clarions are a set of bells in a tower that can be played automatically. And way back in April of 1952, the, the queen of the Netherlands, Juliana, 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 she did the inauguration of it and said how wonderful it is that mankind can learn from working together and supporting people that are not as mighty as other people. Basically, she was saying how the United States was supported the Netherlands during and after World War, World War II. So it was a gift from the people of Netherlands to the people of the United States. And it was officially dedicated on the 5th of May back in 1960, which was the 15th anniversary of the liberation of the Netherlands from the Nazis. And this Netherlands Clarion place in Arlington, Virginia is a really nice place to have a picnic or jam out to the automated concert during the summer months. So if, you're, if you find yourself in the Washington, D.C. area, Grab your picnic table. Grab a beer from New wait, District wait, Brewing wait. Company. Wait, automated concert? What is that? The, so 
the bells can are played automatically. So there's oh, not okay. someone there who actually, you know, banging jam, you know, bang tunes out on the organ. They just play it off. They just automatically play at certain times oh, of the day. Oh, so nice. that's, yeah, that's nice. So thank you, Queen Juliana. Thank you, the people of the Netherlands. So I uh, ask you, it's funny. You put uh, like a Spanish accent on names where probably like Juliana because it's Dutch. Juliana, because they do the, it's, it's very disgusting, but <clears throat> we love like the a, Dutch. Like in the back of the throat type of sound. Exactly. So whatever. Dear listener, you decide to drink on your picnics, whether it's water, juices, you're sneaking in some wine at your local park. Tweet us a picture of what you're drinking. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBPDrink. Oh, this is very, very good stuff. I'm going to tell you who else has been drinking in the baseball world. And that's the, the Carlos' very own the New York Yankees. A couple of weeks ago, drinking they just been terrible. <laughs> they, they well, uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a combination of both. Two weeks ago, the New York Yankees went down to Tampa to play the Tampa Bay Rays on their first series of the season. Now, the Yankees and the Rays, it was the hot rivalry of the 2020 season. It was without a doubt the best matchup last year. The Rays ended up winning that season series eight games to two, and the Rays then knocked the Yankees out of the playoffs in the divisional round. This year, they've now already played six times, three times in Tampa and then three times up in New York. And the Rays, shockingly, shockingly, are leading the season series five to five games to one. They've won five games against the Yankees. I'm a big Rays fan. They're my second team. But I'm frankly really surprised that they've taken it to the Yankees like this. Uh, the game that I watched back on the 19th of April, they had a Corey Kluber, which is one of the pitchers that we – Mentioned a few weeks ago that the Yankees signed. He's been injury prone the past two years, hoping he gets his stuff back. It was a high risk, high reward signing. The Rays rocked him. They hit, they got five runs off him. He didn't even last three innings. He didn't look good. And the Yankees lost that game versus the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays signed a rich, rich Hill. Who's a soft tossing, soft tossing left-handed pitcher. He's 41 years old. I love him. He used to pitch for the LA Dodgers a few years ago, and I didn't like him because he played for the Dodgers. But now he plays for the Rays, and I like him. He's 41 years old, and he outpitched Corey Kluber. He, he went six innings, gave up four runs, but it was really uh, two or three guys that got to him. But other than that, he was solid. Well, you know, struck you out to, seven. I was gonna say like, you got to like think back to say pitchers like. Uh... What was it Jamie Moyer who pitched him down oh, there until he was like 50? But yeah, he was still he effective just because he knew Nolan how to Ryan. ball placement. And, Nolan you know, Ryan, I think, played till he was like 45 or something. Yeah, but Nolan Ryan was still throwing hard as hell. That's true. You he know what I mean? Gas. Like Jamie Moyer, that's I mean, he was just a pace, always threw soft, but was effective. And that's, you know, I mean, at this point in time in, in athletics and, and sports, if you condition well and if you've done yes. it, you know, for a long period of time, no matter how old you are, you can get into your 40s and still play. The top athletes, of course, can take it all the way up if they're not juicing themselves. But yeah, it's, it's impressive, yeah. and it's good to see you know good to see him uh, you know having a decent start out there against the Yankees, even though it was at He's, the expense of the Yankees. Guys like Rich Hill or Tom Brady or name other someone else over the age of 40, they're an inspiration to everyone. It's like wow, if they can do it, you know what? I'm gonna join my. Sunday softball league, my Sunday flag football, whatever. After you after you get vaccinated, 
it's inspiring to you. It's like, dude, if these guys are doing it at the top of their game, so can I. If some guy's running a marathon at 50 years old, you're like 20, 30 years younger than him. Go do it. Go run. Go do races. So I have been impressed by the Yankees' third baseman. Or, I don't know. They move them all over the, the, the field. Uh, DJ no, LeMayhew. Second baseman. Second. But I, they, I think in the game I watched, they, they put him over to third base because Gio uh, uh, Urshela was injured or something. I don't know. Wow. He's taking the day off. D- DJ LeMayhew is an awesome player. You look at him and you're like, that, that man's getting a hit. He is real good. If you guys get a chance to watch the Yankees, keep your eye out for DJ LeMayhew. He's awesome. And yeah. lastly, talking about the Rays and the Yankees uh, rivalry, it's not it's not really a rivalry of one team always wins. It's not it's like the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington not Generals. Generals. And the, the Rays are the Harlem Globetrotters right now for the past two years. It's 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 almost mind-boggling. But that Rays front office, the the, the way they sign players and develop it, they're second to the to second to none. So ESPN, who I don't really like sometimes, aka I call them the Yankees News Network, because God forbid they go one day without writing about the Yankees about uh, what what Aaron Judge ate or what the protein shake that um, Garrett Cole drinks. It's ridiculous. They write and and they in this past week they've wrote endless stories about what's wrong in in the Bronx. What's what's eating? I was about to say what's eating Gilbert Gray, but what's eating Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton? Um, so well, I mean, you have to look at it on this end. I mean, I get it. Like, of course, it's ESPN. They're targeting the you know main market. New York is a heavy baseball market, so they they catered them, unfortunately. And it's you know it's close. They're Bristol, Connecticut, so not too far. But um, the difference this year so far is, I mean, the Yankees, you know, in recent years recent seasons you've had an offensively like strong team where they can kind of take up for the defensive deficiencies because the offense would just hit the crap out of you right now what we're seeing is is that there's really no momentum in any way you know either way like defense is still bad offense is not clicking and they're not winning games. It's, I mean, it's the worst start to a season since the 1997 season. But I will say mm. that that team did make the playoffs, so it is possible that they could recover. But, you know, they, they need to figure it out. They need to figure out something soon. And they need to establish a couple, you know, a nice run to keep them to get some momentum going. But right now, it's, it's definitely not helping. Maybe they'll, they'll get this run against the Braves because they're playing your Braves tonight. So. Maybe. Yeah, they are. And speaking of someone who doesn't need help, who doesn't need to go on a run, and transitioning to the best rivalry of 2021, this past weekend, the Los Angeles Dodgers went down to San Diego to play the Padres for three games. This is people, even if you just barely like baseball, if you find that the Dodgers are playing the Padres, I highly recommend that you watch that game because that's going to be baseball at the pinnacle in 2021 today they played three games the Dodgers took two of three every single game was amazing on on the 17th of April that game ended on a diving catch by right fielder all world all universe player Mookie Betts the Padres had the tying run on base he dove to his left he caught it and he was and he knew he caught it and it was all it just 
the air was sucked out of the sand of uh, what's what's the stadium it's at? Qual- not Qual- Petco. Qualcomm Park. Petco. Pet- Pet- well, it Petco. used to be Qualcomm Park. I mean, yeah. back in '97, I believe. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah, long, long time ago. And as a Braves fan, I saw way too many incredible bets catches in the National League Championship Series. So I felt for the San Diego Padres, but that was, and, and and Major League Baseball called that the play of the week. It really was. Looked at a Mookie Betts versus San Diego Padres uh, diving catch to end the game. It was, it was amazing. It, it really was. Uh, and this, this, the series was so intense that both the Dodgers and the Padres, the very next game back uh, on the, the 19th of April, the very next day they played respectively, uh, the Padres played the, who did they play? The Brewers and the Dodgers played the Mariners. They both lost the ver- the next game because that's how, the, I mean, they were just operating at such a high level that it just wears you emotionally and mentally out. They were like, there was a letdown. But those are the two of the best teams in the league. The Dodgers have won 14 games. They've only lost four. They are. They're a machine, so I I'm I really 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 hope I can make it out to Southern California this year to catch one of these series because it's going to be amazing. And being a my Atlanta Braves, they went over to they they're, they're, do, they're doing the big city tours this month. They were in Chicago last week. They're in New York this week. Yep. When they were against Chicago, unfortunately, our right-handed pitcher Kyle Wright. He he repped HBP to Carlo. He repped Hipster Baseball Podcast. Why? How's he that? hit not one, not two. I'm going to do LeBron James. Not three, not four. He, he he did it four. He hit four batters, four, four in in just over four innings. It was even the announcers were like laughing. It's like not laughing, but it's like wow, this isn't this is good <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> And he he actually didn't do too bad. He pitched four and a third innings. He gave up three hits, two runs, and you th- and you see that you're like it's early season. They can't go, you know, the pitchers can't go that long in games. That's not a bad stat line until you get to the fact that he he walked and slash HBP for for the Chicago for the Chicago Cubs players and and the the Braves injuries continue to mount as the another all-world player, all-universe, Ronald Acuna Jr. He strained his abdomen, so he's day-to-day, and he's not, and he hasn't been playing in the Yankees, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Braves-Yankees uh, miniseries right now. It's bad. I mean, it's it's almost like watching, uh, what is it, uh, the George Clooney show, ER. There's so many Braves players on the, on the, I was about to say injured, is it injured reserve? They call no, it it's the injured list. Uh, injured the, list? No, the, um, the DL. Disabled list. No, 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 no. They, they stopped that. They don't. They don't change. They don't call it the disables list anymore because right. that is that is that is not sensitive to unable people. They now call it the. I think it's called the injured list. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, there's a boatload of Braves who are hurt. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. And you know what else is hurting? I'm gonna wrap this up. Our little little break. Little Braves. Little baseball because. We love baseball. I love watching baseball. I love sharing with you all the the on the news that ESPN, aka Yankees News Network, won't share with you. The last oh, one this is has become like a conspiracy thing. Now. <laughs> oh God, no! I don't care about that. Oh Jesus! I get my Braves news from a lot of other podcasts uh, that I listen to. But what do you do, people, when you have nothing to do? Personally, I like to keep myself super busy, but I made it a point. 
I made it a point when I saw this game coming up. It was back on the 17th of April. The Baltimore Orioles went down to Texas. Yeehaw to play the Texas Rangers in Arlington, Texas. The Orioles and the Rangers are two of the three worst, and I mean two of the three worst teams in the league, the other one being the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> and when I saw this, I had the, the Annie, I don't know how many of you know the, the singer Annie Lennox. She has a song that came out, I don't know, back in like the 90s or something called Why. And it's basically just her singing, Why? That's, That's a very bad song, because. It is a bad song, but I'm messing no, it up. No, I said so it's, it's just... a nice song. I like it. It used to, yeah, when you sing it like No, I you. said I messed it up. I, yeah, well, I was I about it. to say. This was like, wah, wah, Yeah, this is, this is only slightly better. So <laughs> I was listening, because that's, that's a sad song. And I'm thinking, why in the world would I want to spend three hours of my life watching two of the three worst teams? But it's almost like, it's, it's like must-watch TV. Like, you have, it's so bad. You have to. It's a, it's like when everyone tunes into American Idol, like the first two or three weeks, when it's just the worst. Who does that anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay, but I, I don't even know if it's still around, but that's it the first is. thing that popped to my mind. Mm -hmm. And I remember they, they, those few those first few weeks, it would have like all the biggest TV ratings because everyone wanted to laugh at all these terrible people who thought they actually had talent. <laughs> and I, I, the way I saw that was these three games that the Orioles and the Rangers played in Arlington. Was the was Major League Baseball's version of the toilet bowl? Usually, you have a toilet bowl in 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 football, like in the NFL, at the end of the season when you have a team that's won two games, another team that's only won one game. Nobody cares. You're not going to find that that game on TV. It's these horrible teams, and this this was Major League Baseball's toilet bowl, toilet series. <laughs> this is how bad it was. The Texas Rangers, like I said, they played four games. I'm sorry, they played three games against the Orioles. In those three games, they scored a grand total of four runs. Four runs in three games. Horrible. I mean, that's time I'm never, ever yeah, going to – I'm never going to get back. And there was just a boatload of one-pitch outs. So the pitcher – and I'm talking about for both teams. The pitcher would throw a ball, somebody would hit it, and they would immediately go be out. Like both teams. Like there was no – you know, there was no like fouling balls off. There was no working the count. There was none of that. It was like boom. I'm gonna I'm gonna swing at whatever comes. Boom. And of course, it's an out. It's terrible. And mm. it, it, it's it's a little <laughs> sad, but I found it funny that there was a bunch of ex Braves. They're ex for a reason. Playing for both the Rangers and the Orioles. The Orioles have third baseman Rio Ruiz, whose batting average this year is like at 141. <laughs> the Texas Rangers shortstop, Charlie Culberson. Everyone, everyone still loves Culberson. People want us to sign him again. He's an awesome personality. He's a great clubhouse guy, but he's not that good. He's a really good defense. He's a good <laughs> defensive player, but he can't hit. He can't hit. He went 0 for 8. He had eight attempts at bat. He didn't get a single hit in this series. And uh, the Rangers, the right-handed pitcher, Mike fulton also let go by the Braves last year. He's now pitching with the Rangers. It's, it's bad. <laughs> uh, so, But, again, it, I, I found it, it was like Gallo's humor watching the Orioles and the Rangers play. Uh, I, I didn't watch all three games, please. I'm, I am, I'm I crazy, say, but I'm not dumb. Bad. I'm crazy, but I'm not dumb. So I watched one game, and that's all. And I watched highlights from other games, and that's all I needed. But um, – and that, that, my friends, 
wraps up some of the things that I watched this past week in our beautiful game known as baseball. But across the pond, there were other beautiful things happening in another beautiful sport called football. I don't know if it was beautiful things. I mean, what transpired turned out to be a whole lot of hot mess. So for those who haven't heard, like this past like 72 hours has been like seismic in the world of uh, football, European football or soccer. So there was this announcement of a breakout league called the Super the Super League, the European Super League, which was going to have 12 founding members, six from the English Premier League, two from the Spanish La Liga, um, three from and, and three from um, Italy. They were trying to also get other teams, but the teams from Germany refused. Um, the, the two big ones, Bayern München and Borussia Dortmund. Then France, um, PSG declined. And it, you had Liverpool, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Manchester City, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Arsenal. And what this league was essentially going to do was to supersede the Champions League because the founding members, the 12 founding members, would be locked in almost like uh, a UN Security Council position, but for this league. So they could never be relegated. And only five like rotating spots would be open. And really the structure was going to almost knock out the pyramid system that is already in place in football, where within these leagues, you have the top tier league, but the last three spots always change through relegation. Or even when it comes to European places, you have in the top leagues, four spots, usually for the champions league, a subsequent spot for a lower European cup, and these competitions could change. So even the top tier big money makers, if they have a poor season, might not make it. Or even teams that at one point um, were in a lower division, they could come up and then win the actual like Premier League like Leicester City did back in 2015. And so really, essentially, you had the big boy club sitting back and saying, like, you know, we don't want to continue to subsidize this because more times than not, they're the ones who are participating in the Champions League, who are always bringing in that money, who bring the bigger fan base, internationally speaking. And they wanted to kind of cut themselves off. And using the pandemic as kind of the scapegoat, well, we've lost billions of dollars. This essentially will give us an opportunity to reinvest in the team. It was bad. And the response was probably the worst like response of anything in the history of sports. Like it was so bad. The condemnations came out of, of course, first it was from the other cartels of UEFA and FIFA who were no saints of their own because this would have essentially cut them out and allowed for these teams to just rake in billions of dollars and, and consolidated amongst themselves. A lot like the structure that we see in American sports where you have the teams and they're locked in. There's no, you know, rotation to teams, no relegation or anything like that. And that just allows those owners to pretty much make a lot of pop, like profits because the television rights, the broadcasters deals, all of that goes amongst that pot of owners. And this was the same type of structure that would have existed in the European League, like the European Super Cup League. And players condemned it. Managers condemned it. And the worst part about it is, is that the owners of these teams did not even prepare and consult with people within their organization. 
It was like the owners making a power play without anybody else. So previously you had managers who went on record years ago. Jurgen Klopp famously did it back in 2019, poo-pooing the idea, saying it would be bad for football and that he would want to participate in anything like this. Liverpool don't tell him. They don't tell the players. And sadly, their, their initial releases were terrible. It just said, we're creating this league. They didn't have anybody out there trying to sell the league. You don't have a good public relations move for it. There was no adequate promotion, nothing. It was just terrible. And then you had these managers having to field questions about this when they were essentially thrown under the bus by their ownership. And the one thing that people have really been upset about is the, the role of ownership in this case, where you have mostly American owners trying to implement an American system in a, a really entrenched, culturally like significant entity in European football where these teams are community-based a lot of the time. Like you would have a business owner who did well in the community who might own your local football club, but then you had people who became members of that club and paid dues and would follow this team. So it has a really big like community structure within it. And to eliminate that, it would have been terrible. And I mean, I have to say, I thought it was a terrible move. I thought it was bad because for one, they just, they, they, it was just poorly planned and executed and they deserve the, the egg on their face. Like after the announcement within 48 hours, you're seeing teams like Man City pull out. You see, um, who is it? Chelsea pull out and then Tottenham and Arsenal and then the, then Liverpool. Like, so all the teams were forced. The only two who are still really left right now are, um, was it Barcelona or Real Madrid? <laughs> but it's not going to exist. It's terrible. I'm going to ask you a question, my friend. Yeah. Why are you you such a crybaby? Okay, you crybaby about this. (laughs) I don't like it. The way you're describing ownership of football, of these soccer clubs in Europe, like you're you're like taking us back to a quaint period of like like the 1970s where like the local mill owner or someone who like sold shoes in department stores is now the owner of like Fulham or Chelsea or Manchester City. This is, I, I, I am completely surprised that these clubs did a 180 in 72 hours. I think I am because this, we, we went over this to Carlo, I think like in episode 28, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago that these clubs and these are the exact same clubs with the exception of the addition of Manchester City, Arsenal, and Atletico Madrid, maybe. 30 years ago, back in the 90s, the president of AC Milan, uh, Galliano, I think his name is, he, he's, he's bald. You know, he's not around anymore. He's, he's still alive, but he's not with Milan anymore. They were trying to, they were trying to open up, they're trying to start an 18-team European Super League. And back then, it wasn't that the European Super League would supersede the Champions League. It was, we're breaking away from our domestic and it would be a, a pan-European competition. 18 of the best clubs in Europe. That was already talked about 30 years ago. They do it now. I'm like, what's taking you so long? And the way, the way these fans are up in arms of like, oh, it's such greed. Or even the Prime Minister of, uh, the, Prime Minister of the UK of uh, Great Britain, Boris Johnson, saying, quote, we should, this was before this whole thing, the whole drop happened. 
quote, we should drop a legislative bomb to stop it and we should do it now, end quote. I'm sorry, Mr. Conservative Tory MP. That sounds like big government that we don't need in European football. I'm people, if you're a fan of any of these, if you're a fan of top flight competition, why you're you're gonna say all these all these crazy fans saying, oh, it's so bad. You need to put the fans first. You need to think of the fans. People worth they're thinking of the fans. You're going to tell me that you're not going to watch, you're not going to want to watch Lionel Messi play against Paul Pogba. You're not going to watch Cristiano Ronaldo play against uh, Neymar. You but you already yeah. won the Champions League. And I, and I exactly. Like so what changed, my friend, what changes? No, what changes the is, money, is that The money not... doesn't go to UEFA anymore. That's what UEFA's crying about. Yeah, no, I know that. That's it. That's it, people. It, it, this reminds me of online when people are arguing with each other, defending billionaires. Are the billionaires paying you to defend them online? <laughs> no, no. No, but I, I have to say, I have to disagree in terms of like, I get what you're saying. Yes, it is a power. Like it's, it's all about money. And of course, UEFA and FIFA are crying because they would have been losing you a lot. The most corrupt pot. organizations yes. in sports. Yes, yes, for sure. So uh, their, their, their cries are nothing. But in terms of say, like the structure, like you would take out like people, and this is really just. Like how we think about it. For one, I know like the Premier League would be crying because a lot of those teams would lose a lot of revenue if you know Liverpool, Arsenal, all those six teams just packed up their stuff and, and walked away. They would. Because a lot of that television money does come. Like most of the, the international deals, like who are you watching if you're putting on, you know, NBC to watch the Premier League? You're watching exactly. Liverpool, Manchester United. Like, no offense to Bournemouth supporters. You're not NBC is not spending billions of dollars to show yeah. Bournemouth against, uh, I don't know, yeah. Der, Derby County. No, they're they're not. But I will say in in some of the things that does take away because if you were to have those big boys, then the game kind of gets saturated because you're always going to have the top players who there it, it won't even no. allow for say like a Man City to grow. Because let's think about it. Back in 1999, Man City was coming out of the third tier up into yeah. the Premier League. Eventually, they did catch ownership changes who was able, who were able to make changes within the organization. So now it's a powerhouse. You know, you had a Leicester City who was in the League One or the, or the championship who came up and won. And those are some of the things that would be eliminated because then – you don't even have those teams that have elevated the opportunity to play against the best anymore. My friend, I'm going to take you on a time machine because I'm going to tell you about how much I love the hypocrisy of the British media, the British fans, and the British FA for the football association that runs, that's the organization that runs, that puts on the Premier League. Ladies and gentlemen, if you love soccer, if you love football, you love the Premier League. It is the best league in the world right now. The Premier League was a breakaway from the old First Division back in 1992. 1992, 1992, my friend. The first champion of the Premier League was Manchester United. The last champion of the First Division was Liverpool or Arsenal. No, it was Arsenal. Liverpool won in 1990. Arsenal won in 1991. The the top. Stop me if you heard if you've heard this somewhere or recently. The top teams in England said 
we want more money. We want to, we want to negotiate our own television. So we are going to break away from the first division. And they did. And they made it into a cash cow. The richest soccer league in the world is in England, thanks to the breakaway rebel clubs of the Premier League. But now, oh, now the British media, the British fans are all like, it's the greedy Americans because the owners of Manchester United, Liverpool, the owners of AC Milan, the owners of Arsenal all have American passports. And the lead bank that was doing this to, was underwriting this, which basically was the, 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 the lead one for the transactions, was is the, the New York bank, J.P. Morgan. But someone who was pounding the table to do this was the Agnelli family in, in, Juvent in Juventus. The Agnellis who own Juventus. They've owned Juventus since, I think, before World War II. I mean, this is a part of, it's literally a part of their family heirloom. And... I forget the the current the current Agnelli. He he speaks perfect English. He speaks perfect Italian, and he was the, and he was talking yesterday how this is an important thing. It's going to be good for everyone. I'm a fan. Do I really care where the money's going to, DiCarlo? Like, do I really care if it's going to UEFA or if it's going to the chairman of Liverpool, the chairman of of Barcelona? That it, it's top flight, and it's not saturated. We talked about this again a few episodes ago. Champions League is. The UEFA's proposal is to is to include even more games, watering it down by bringing in, let's be honest, unworthy teams in from like Austria or the third division, the third place winner of Scotland. Like, do you really want to see that? No. It waters down the competition. I want to see elite players playing in midweek. That's it. Wow. UEFA is just. DiCarlo, every the past what this this has been used this has been crazy news for like four days. Every time I hear about the European Super League, I just laugh. I'm like, just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it because UEFA is threatening. And then UEFA went over to FIFA. FIFA runs the World Cup. FIFA has nothing to do with UEFA, but mm. these two horribly corrupt organizations. UEFA goes crying to FIFA and saying, "Hey, did you hear what our most popular clubs are going to do?" And FIFA was like, no, 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 we'll back you. FIFA says, and this is a decree from FIFA, if you participate in the European Super League, you will not be able to represent your country at the World Cup. The World Cup, everyone knows the World Cup. I don't care if you don't even like soccer, you know the World Cup. It's held every four years. The Carlo, look, we're gonna, you know, we always love looking at the business prism of competition of sports. We're going to do a little role-playing here. DiCarlo, you're FIFA. I'm sponsorship, okay? Mm -hmm. So the TV rights, the, the TV deals are up. DiCarlo comes as the president of FIFA. They say, hey, let's talk business. We want to sell you Coca-Cola, Heineken, Doritos, whoever. We're looking at about a billion dollars for commercials the next World Cup. And a billion dollars so that you can say that you're official sponsor. And a billion dollars for this side and the other. Me, as the CEO of Coca-Cola, the CEO of Doritos, the CEO of, Frito, of whoever. Mr. Mr. DiCarlo, pre president of FIFA. We love the World Cup. We've had a long-standing relationship being a sponsor of the biggest sporting event in the world. But you're telling me that the next World Cup, you're not going to have Neymar, 
You're not going to have Messi. You're not going to have Cristiano Ronaldo. You're not going to have Paul Pogba. You're not going to, again, over and over again. Mm. Carlo, what do you say? You're right. No, we won't have them. And I'm going to say, how about I give you $10? People, what I'm saying here, people, is the clubs, these massive super clubs of Europe has all the power, all of it, every single one of them. It's another analogy. It's as if the prettiest girl in high school, she decides to do something. And they said, oh, you know what? We're not, go- We're not going to allow you to, to, to run for queen of the, what is it? Queen of homecoming or, or whatever the hell those things are. Was, I, went to high school. All, I went to high school a long time ago. All that nonsense. Everyone knows who the prettiest girl in high school is. Okay. It's like, come on. Like, yeah, but don't. you know what the, the bad thing about this was was that ownership did it on their own without actually getting people My friends. Board. That was the bad move about it because, all right, it's one thing. Like you said, the player, people are attracted by the athletes, the, what, what sells, and those teams have power because they have those, those athletes and those images and their rights to them. But if you don't inform and really sell the damn project to the people who are going to, especially if FIFA, for one, if you're not wetting feet, like, because clearly they weren't wetting FIFA's beak if they easily capitulated and, and, and put And they shouldn't FIFA. screw FIFA. FIFA no, doesn't, I agree. doesn't get a single cent. No. I agree. But you at least get people on board. And it looked like they collabed this without actually involving anybody. That's what made it look so bad. And that's why the, the condemnation was universal. You can't sit back and try to change something and not really break it down how it's going to benefit the parties involved and the people who are The condemnation was not, my friend, the condemnation, the condemnation was not universal because your co-host at HVP completely supports it. Well, yeah, you, but <laughs> not the players. You don't matter in this situation. When you have your top players, do, your teams, and your managers, when you have Pep Guardiola say, hell no. When you have Jurgen Klopp saying, hell no. Like, everybody was like, boom, 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 down the line. That if you don't have anybody, just like you're saying, these, these rich dudes, they, they know they have power. But if you don't have your actual, like, product, the people who make that work on board, you got nothing. And that's why it completely failed because they did not have a good strategy as they, for one, getting influence, like influencing people to buy into the project. It, you, the, the way that they put it out and the way how they responded to it, they made it look like they were a bunch of dudes who got around into some hotel, like, like conference room and said, this is what we're going to do. And then released the damn press release. It was stupid. Uh, it was done through zoom. My friend, I mean, come on, social distancing, social distancing. <laughs> if that's what, that's I'm what doomed the endeavor. To Carlo, maybe they should have just paid a couple of hundred bucks, a couple of thousand dollars to some of these Instagram influencers. And it would have, we, Next year, we would have been watching the European Super League. <laughs> and you know what? Inter- the interesting part is the more interesting parts is that the the executive vice chairman of Manchester United, Ed Woodward, had resigned over this. Why? I frankly have no idea. I, I know I know the idea, but why would you resign? Ed Ed Woodward used to be a banker over at J.P. Morgan, and so that's why you have that synergy of. JP Morgan being being the lead bank uh, to do this, you would almost say a merger because you're acquiring 
the image, the intellectual property of the Champions League, and you're merging all of these super clubs into one monopoly, like we have here in the United States with the NFL, Major League Baseball, you are guaranteed to be playing at the top level every single year, no matter how bad you do or how well you do. So, and that part of that goes against the spirit of football in general, where there is relegation, or in the or in the sense of a Champions League, there's no relegation. It's just you don't get to participate the following year yeah. if you do very very badly. But to Carlos, right? There was definitely a, a communicate. Severe lack of strategic communication and shame on Ed Woodward, shame on the bankers at JP Morgan. They should know a lot better than this than just trying to put this deal together. And and not only this, you know, it's 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 going to create some tenuous relationships among supporters and, and the owners. Now, Especially no, 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 I will tell you which no. team. No, I'm gonna tell you which team, Liverpool, because you know I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it. No, no I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna I'm, tell you why. Baby, baby, I'm I'm team JP Morgan. It's okay. Yeah, man, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why it's gonna change. Like it's gonna be difficult because for one, all right, when you look at a lot of the other teams like Man City, when you look at United they've seen the owners for what they are. There was never this idea. There was no subterfuge regarding that. Right. With a club like Liverpool, for one, you had America, they got burned by American owners the first time with Hicks and Gillette to the point where they almost were um, put into administration. Then you have FSG who comes in, buys the team on the cheap. I'm talking about they bought Liverpool for 333 million pounds. I got that in my bank. And they've like they have like almost what tripled or quadrupled the worth of the team within that time. Yeah. Okay. They played to the you know they they tried overreach once with the raising the ticket prices. Liverpool fans like then they quickly backtracked, and then they tried to have a decent dialogue. Like they would actually do the things to show that they were better owners in terms of making like investing into the team, building the new main stand, showing that persona. But this move, it just it, – it, it sullied a lot of that because now it's bringing up that, that trauma from what a lot of the team supporters. And when you have clubs like that who are very entrenched within the community, it is going to have an impact. Will it force them to sell? They have their exit strategy. But they've already started to lose some partnerships too. And yeah, that's well. what's going to matter. You know, so this is – it's something that is going to – it, it might they might end up selling. I mean, because you know, for them at this point, if it's gonna do, if it's gonna be more of a problem to try to do damage control as opposed to just take out and leave with what you got. I mean, but I don't know. It's it's interesting to see what will happen, and um, it, I think it's also gonna be interesting to see like if say like the Premier League or anybody tries to take any type of retribution or consequences because that's been discussed in terms of you know, taking away points or, you know, banishing them from the Champions League or something. I mean, they won't do that. Uh, highly stupid, doubtful. But... Probably you, you don't go to the, hot, the hottest girl in high school and say, hey, I'm not going to go on a date with her. <laughs> you do if you want to no, psych don't. the hell out no, of no. I'm telling you. No, you it's but, you, but you know it's a bluff. My friend, you know it's a bluff. Not the, really. The most, you know clubs, the most popular clubs, the most popular players will not be shut out of the greatest competitions in world soccer slash football. So to Carlo, myself, you listener, we're not going to be able to enjoy the European Super League because it's not going to exist at the moment. It's still going to happen, believe me. But you can still enjoy European fashion. And that's 
thanks to our show sponsor. Bonjour. Bonjour Action Jeans. French-style jeans for the budget-conscious American. Bonjour. It'll take you by storm. Our jeans are available at your local retail store. That's some good European fashion. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going I'm to go buy Bonjour Action Jeans for everybody in my family, all my friends, including DiCarlo. So he can, so he can watch, so he can wear them while he's watching the Champions League with Liverpool playing Inter Milan. Yeah, Liverpool unfortunately doesn't look like they're going to qualify, which which is also like insult to in the Europa League. Then no, like you know what that also made it like added insult to injury because like half of the English teams will not even be in the Champions League. So you, so you would have you would have been happy watching them in the European Super League. Oh my friend, my friend. I would have watched it. I'm not going to say. I of would. course I you just, would. Of course you would. That's it my just would have been people. also, you know, whatever. So we, so we're going to stay in Europe because not we're now we're now wearing our bonjour action jeans to tell off a couple of people that we haven't been happy about this past week in our in our segment that we brought that we have, we haven't used in a while. Grow a beard and go into hiding, aka the Federal Witness Protection Program. Who do you want to put up? Who do you want to send out to Alaska, my friend? So I am sending out all 12 owners of the founding teams of the European Super League because they're, they had poorly executed strategy in terms of trying to announce this, dropping it late on a Sunday, which is bad, like press releases, nobody really going out and, and selling the idea and then once the condemnation happened they capitulated quickly you know it was it's funny i was watching a video of john w henry like doing his mea culpa and you just like really do <laughs> like it's pretty bad but yeah you would think that i mean for one everybody has missed everybody has missteps when it comes to you know executing said plans or strategies from time to time, but these are like titans of industry who couldn't put together a proper PR team to do this. So shame on them. And especially even shame on them because they literally, it's almost as bad as when the protester threw money at Sent Bladder because it, it feeds into that narrative of rich foreigners corrupting a beloved game trying to bring their cap overly capitalistic structures into the ecosystem of European football, which we know it's already there. But of course, those who are entrenched also have the hearts and minds of the masses. They delude themselves. Oh, they have the hearts and minds of the masses to be able to continue to, um, you know, propagate that information. But, you know, it was stupidly done. So, Go in the hiding, guys, which I know you all are doing anyway. <laughs> yes, I'm sure the Agnellis are tuning into the latest episode of HBB, which I know they are. <laughs> so we're so DeCarlo's sending all the 12 owners or the corporations that own the 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 now defunct European Super League founding members. But you know where is even we sent them to Alaska to federal witness to a federal witness protection program. What's even farther than Alaska? Space in our next segment, Danger Will Robinson, aka travels into space, 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 space. Why are we moving to a new development as De Carlo hinted at at the top of the show? 
because one of our favorite species here on Earth, astrophysicists, astrophysicists just found a new region in the Milky Way galaxy. It's as if some new construction company went out to the exurbs, the suburbs, and, and built a new development. The finding of this new region, the Milky Way galaxy, is very exciting. And HVP listeners know that we love space. We love the solar system. We love anything outside of planet Earth. And we also love Earth. Back on the 19th of March of 2020, this year, it was published in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society, this finding of a new region in the Milky Way. And it's basically, people, it's really in the neighborhood right over from where we live. We live in our solar system. This new region is right, right next door. It's in between the Orion arm, where our, our solar system is located, and the constellation Persis. This specific new, it's not really new, it's new to us. It's always been there, but we didn't, we didn't even know it was there. This region has stars, stars, plural, three times the size of our sun. And the stars aren't yellow or white. They're colored blue because of the tremendous heat that they emit. And they're actually called OB stars, not OG, original gangster, OB stars. They're hot, massive stars that, sh that, live, uh, that live very, very shortly. It's almost like a flash in the pan. They're very, OB stars are very rare. And there are about 400 billion stars in the galaxy. In, that, in the galaxy, in the universe, 400 billion of these OB stars, and only 200,000 are actual OB stars of all the billions of the stars. So we want to give a shout out to the Spanish Astrobiology Astro Center, which was the lead writer for this article in the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. I want to quote one of the co-authors, uh, Michelangelo. Pantaleoeni Gonzalez, he says, quote, talking about the OG stars, quote, and as they're responsible for the creation of a lot of the heavy elements, they can really be seen as the chemical enrichers of the galaxy. It's because of stars like these dead long ago that the geochemistry of our planet was complex enough for biochemistry to arise, end quote. Later on, he goes, whenever we find blue stars, we find the most active and the most alive regions of the galaxy. People, right next door, the most alive. You, I, DiCarlo, we're all alive. The owners of the European Super Leagues, all of the injured Atlanta Braves players, we're all alive thanks to OB stars. So <laughs> maybe if it gets too noisy here in the solar system, here on planet Earth, we get sick of watching greedy clubs trying to break away we get sick of watching the baltimore orioles play terrible baseball we can hitch a ride with spacex or blue origin which is jeff bezos aerospace company oh don't forget and about virgin galactic too huh? is that still around yeah, it is what do they do i'll send people up to this. i don't know they're doing whatever you know, most of these companies have so much money they're just always in r d Okay, I mean, so they actually do have like a, a jet, like a, a rocket. I no, I know, I know. Virgin Galactic had the year, probably like a decade ago. They wanted to say we're gonna, we're gonna, we want to do space tours. We're one of the first ones, but SpaceX are actually they have rockets. Or, you know, they're putting things into space. Origin, the same, the same thing, or Virgin Galactic, according to my my favorite co-host, Carlo. Your only co-host. 
then but that goes that goes that's understood so you my friend i'm telling you about a brand new hot development and we all know how hot the real estate market right now it is in 2021 the united states of america if it gets too expensive for you my friend go to this new region of the, of the milky way galaxy right over from us in the constellation perseus because i bet you that in this new space in this new development there's no hoa no condo fee you're away from noisy neighbors maybe there are aliens there i'm not sure and i'll tell you this it's a hell of a lot cheaper living there than it would be in san francisco or, or los angeles yeah, that's good <laughs> that's true and who else can we take to our new development next to the solar system oh. our furry pets our winged pets are beautiful they're a part of the family tweet us a picture of your pet blasting off with you on the virgin atlantic blue origin or spacex flight or watching a terrible baseball game or lamenting the not the never will never was european super league our twitter handle is at hbb4040 and use the hashtag HBPets, H-B-P-E-T-S. Now, before we end, I do want to give a shout out to our some brand new listeners that we have in Brazil. I don't know if, to Carlo, if you have any samba music you want well, to play in the background. No, well, I can find it. It takes me too long to get it out. Well, right. But anyways, we want to say uh, obrigado to our listeners in Brazil who just started listening and also in Deutschland the land of Bayern München and Borussia Dortmund. We want to say danke. Is that how you say thank you in German? Yes. So danke to our our new listeners in Germany. And obrigado, thank you in Portuguese, to our new listeners in Brazil. We very much appreciate it. And we hope we keep you laughing. We hope we keep you drinking. And we hope you send us a picture. So in my broken German, I will say danke für unser... Podcast. That is good. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, make sure you please subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Please make sure you join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP. Baseball podcast. Take care.